it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Coming to you live from the state-of-the-art Connecticut Bureau, it's your host for the next three hours, the guy who's on usually when you're going to the bathroom if you're a middle-aged male, Todd Pyro from Fox & Friends First, in for my buddy, the great Jimmy Fallon, the hardest-working man in show business. So when Jimbo says, Pyro, I need the day before Thanksgiving off, I work eight days a week, I'm on the road, I'm on your show after like three hours of sleep, I say, Jimbo, I am there for you, and the fine folks at Fox Radio allowed me to do it from the cozy confines of my house, so that's why we're here. It is so awesome to be here, this is my first time doing radio, long form, since 1997. I was at Dartmouth College, I was a college student up there in New Hampshire, And uh, Democrats were Democrats back in 1997. Republicans were actually able to win an election, even though they didn't win the presidency for a couple years there. But nevertheless, it's been been a minute since I've done a little long-form radio. And I do have a disclaimer that we got to get out of the way because, let's be real, I'm sick right now, America. And let me tell you something. When Jimmy Fallon comes to do your show, Sick, after no sleep, you can't then turn around and say, Jim, I, I got to call out. No. So I'm going to power through just like you, the good American, the tough American would do. You're going to power through. And let me explain what I've got. It could be on the light side, uh, a mere sinus infection. It, on the other side, it could be black lung. It's unclear at this point what it is because I've had that same cough that half of you out there listening have. I've had it for about three weeks. I know a lot of you have had it for longer. It's not going away. I've taken steroids. I can do professional wrestling with the amount of steroids that I've taken the last three weeks, okay? But still, it hasn't gone away. I've taken my own amoxicillin. I've taken my own augmentin. I've taken my kids' augmentin. Are we allowed to say that? Did I just do prescription drug fraud? Anyway, the point is I have the same thing that you have. And so, look, there may be moments during today's show where I cough up a lung. And you know what? You're just going to have to deal with it because you know when else you're going to have to deal with it? Tomorrow. Because I guarantee if you're not sick, your relatives are. Somebody in that room where you are eating that turkey, where you're having some appetizer, a little pumpkin pie, at some point is going to (coughs) go, and keep in mind, it's just going to be the same thing that I'm going to do. So you're just going to have to deal with it. It's all part of the fun. It's all part of the holiday season. We wouldn't have the holidays without... Horrific sickness. Uh, Before we get to the real news, I I do want to do a quick breaker that we're going to get into. Some breaking news just in to the Fox newsroom. Daryl Hall is getting a restraining order against John Oates. I am floored by this news. We're going to touch on it with the great Joe Koch, who's coming up in a few minutes. But I don't know about you. This is going to ruin my Thanksgiving. I may cancel Thanksgiving, quite frankly, because let's face it, I just can't go for that. Pun number one, 
You're welcome, America. All right, let's get to the important news because there was some vitally important news overnight, and it is the fact that there is a temporary ceasefire in the Middle East. Israel and Hamas have agreed to this ceasefire for humanitarian reasons. The prime minister office saying in a statement, quote, the Israeli government is committed to the return of all hostages home. Tonight, the government approved the outline for the first stage of achieving this goal, according to it, which which at least 50 hostages, women and children, will be released for four days during which there will be a lull in the fighting. Look, anybody who's a human should celebrate the fact that these hostages will be released. It's one of the few feel-good moments from this horrificness that started on October 7th. So nobody is saying that it is a bad thing that these hostages are being released. But we do need to realize that there are consequences to a release like this. This does not just happen in a vacuum. It is not just a good story that we can celebrate because there are consequences. And Senator Ted Cruz last night on Sean Hannity's program really highlighted the fact that there are some consequences that we need to be aware of. Play clip nine, please. It is a bad thing that Hamas is going to have four days to regroup, that they're going to have time to refuel, that they're going to have time to get stronger. And I think it's very important that even while we are grateful for the return of the hostages, and I think Prime Minister Netanyahu quite wisely said that he will continue the pause uh, for additional days if additional hostages are getting released, that we not lose sight of Israel has laid out two objectives here. Number one, getting the hostages home. So this is making real progress. But number two is utterly and completely eliminating Hamas. And, and, and I do worry that, that as, as hostilities cease for a short period of time, that international pressure and sadly pressure from the Biden White House will only get greater. Look, a lot to unpack there. Ted Cruz makes a lot of really good points. Um, Hamas is getting an opportunity to reload. I mean, let's call it ultimately what it is. They have been pretty beaten up over the last couple of weeks by Israel because Israel is a real fighting force with real trained soldiers, and Hamas is not. Hamas obviously has a lot of numbers, but at the end of the day, if things just continue unabated, Israel is going to wipe out Hamas. And I can't sit here and give a time frame as to when that's going to happen, but it will happen. So we need to be realistic, the fact that Hamas is going to get time to reload and restock. Let's also remember that as part of this three-for-one prisoner swap, the three-for-one that's going to be released by Israel to Hamas includes quote-unquote women and children. Women and children constitutes children that are teenage age. And many of those teenagers look like and act like and fight like adult males. So there's a little bit of your restocking right there. So they're going to be able to restock weapons, personnel. You know Iran is going to be able to get them things through the porousness that is the Middle East. And that's a bad sign for the fighting when it continues on. There's also the concern that does this raise the price on future hostages? Because let's be honest, Hamas isn't going to stop taking hostages Hezbollah is not going to stop taking hostages. Iran isn't going to stop taking hostages. So did this just raise the price of a hostage head anywhere in the Middle East? That's a major concern. And a number of people far smarter than I in the world of foreign policy have said that very thing. Yes, this may be good for these 50 Israeli hostages, but it could be horrific for future hostages. 
there's also the matter of, is Hamas going to abide by this? I mean, let's call it what it is. These aren't great actors. These are horrific people with horrific motives and who have a horrific track record of being honest. You know, Hamas and honesty aren't two phrases that really go together. And uh, Michael Orn on America Reports really highlighted this fact that, look, Hamas does not negotiate in good faith, and we need to be aware of that. Play Clippy. We're dealing with Hamas. We're dealing with Hamas. Hamas does not negotiate in good faith. It has broken every ceasefire agreement over the last 15 years. Uh, Hamas could say, oh, we'll release 50 people, but, hey, we couldn't find 15, 15 or 20 of them. And they'll try to drag out the ceasefire from four days to six days to two weeks because a ceasefire is what Hamas wants. A ceasefire means Hamas wins. It means Hamas gets away with mass murder. It can rearm, regroup, and strike again, and it's pledged to do that. We've got to be very, very cautious. Um, Hamas will use a ceasefire to move its troops around, to booby-trap the entire Gaza Strip. And we interviewed Jonathan Gilliam on my program a few hours ago, Fox and Friends First, and he took it a step further. And his words were unbelievably chilling. He fears, didn't say it's going to happen. So let's, let's, let's not put the cart before the horse. But he raised the possibility that these hostages could be killed publicly. The ones being released, mind you, as part of a public relations offensive by Hamas. Again, we can't discredit that as a possibility. Likely, is that what is going to happen? Probably not, because there are too many benefits to Hamas sticking with the ultimate deal that was made last night. But this is, this is a group that slaughtered 1,500 Israelis in one day in a sneak surprise attack. And because it's the day before Thanksgiving, we're not going to go into the horrors of what they did. We all know what they did to children We all know what they did to families. We all know the barbarism that they demonstrated. So to sit there and say, you know, we made this deal, we trust Hamas implicitly, is not the way to go. We cannot trust these individuals. This is beyond trust but verify. This is, we have to pray that this works out. Because if it doesn't work out, it's going to be horrific for those hostages And this ceasefire will ultimately give Hamas some time to get itself better prepared to fight Israelis in the streets of Gaza and throughout Israel over the course of the next days, weeks, and months. And that's sad. With that, we are going to take a break. And on the other side of this, my friend Joe Concha, who when I interviewed him today on my show, didn't even know he was going to be doing a hit with me on this great program. But he's there on the other side of the break to go over the most important news you've ever heard on a Thanksgiving Eve. Again, we repeat the breaking news. Daryl Hall getting a restraining order against one John Oates. We're also going to talk about how, you know, MSNBC said Donald Trump is going to execute people if he becomes president. Those two topics when Fox Across America returns. This thing is going to become gargantuan when the Son of Man comes. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.
Ah, uh, my grandparents' wedding song. My grandfather did the whistle. It was a special night. A special night. Hey, I'm joined by my friend, the great Joe Concha, columnist for The Messenger, Fox News contributor, and let's call it what he is, a three-day-a-week guest to the Fox & Friends First program. Joey Bats, how are you, brother? It used to be five, you may recall, and uh, I'm like, well, look, I need pyro money if you're going to have me on here five nights yeah. a week. Or, or, I you guess, need to get paid day. at least $6 an hour in order to do five <laughs> days a week. Let's be real. Too funny. So, so you yeah. went since early this morning, right? You, yeah. You got what time to get in? Like one? Here's the deal. So I arrived. We had a flat tire, as you know. Yes. As you called me out on air for not <laughs> being able to change my own flat tire. I can't. Joe, I have dainty hands. Um, so I did that. Then I did uh, mornings with Maria for three hours. Hopped in a car that did not have a flat tire. Made it home. Prepped for the show. And here we are, yelling at the top of my lungs at the great country of America. How you're about on, you? You're on pure adrenaline now at this point, right? Crack. And are you hosting the bar Thanksgiving? I am. I am hosting, and then I oh. uh, begin my festivities. And then, Joe, I'm, I'm hosting again on Black Friday. You're hosting it. It's like the other side of the family. Like, they don't get along, so you have to separate them. And right. Like a Thursday, Friday party kind of thing? No, we're, we're, we're going to be okay. Oh, oh, am I hosting? I thought you said, am I hosting the show? Mm. Oh, you, you think we would uh, well, be able to finish each other's sentences better considering, <laughs> you know, we work together every yes. single day or now only three days. But, no, I'm not hosting. Come on. You, you want to cook anything, eat, uh, eat anything no. cooked by me? Come on. No shot. Uh, I mean, well, are you, you're in, aren't you in Carly's cookbook, though? I mean, don't you have some special recipe in there? You're on the cover. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I am on the cover. <laughs> uh, I feel like that was in my contract that I had to be on the cover. Yes. My recipe is my late grandmother's recipe. You know, the one that I referenced in the open there. Right. For whom that was their wedding song. Uh, but, yeah, it's just Sunday gravy. You know, being an Italian in Jersey, you call it gravy. And then everybody else listening throughout the other 49 states is like, no, it's not gravy. It's sauce. And we, we have a fight with everybody. So, um, Is it yeah, sauce uh, or gravy? It's gravy, gravy is thin. Sauce is thick, no, right? Oh, no, 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 no. Gravy has the meat in it. It has the, 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 whether it's the meatballs or the sausage or what's called spongel, which I don't know what that means. The, the, I don't even know if that's a real word. That just may be something that the Sicilians passed down to their kids who are my, my parents, and it got passed down to us. I don't know if the, any of these words are real. But, uh, yeah, so it's, it's the, thick, the thick red stuff, let's call it that. Wow. Okay, the thick yeah. red stuff. Interesting. Yeah, you don't you don't have like the Italian kind of Tommy DeVito kind of feel to. Is, what, what, is there another side to this nationality? That yes. Yes. Okay. I should introduce them to you some point because they are special people. Before we get to the news, Joe, yeah. what are you doing for the holiday? Oh, let's see. Uh, well, tonight I'll be on with uh, Kelly McEnany uh, for nice. Waters World, uh, and then from there, hopefully from home, I'll have to talk to my people about that, and then from sure. there. Uh, we go to my sister-in-law's who does like a, a seven course kind of meal that she's been preparing since Sunday. It's not an exaggeration. And then my dad hosts. And fortunately, all of my in-laws and family live within a 20 mile radius of each other. So we could go kind of everywhere. Because uh, I, I, you couldn't pay me to go on a plane uh, this weekend. No shot. And then Friday, I do Outnumbered and Saturday and Sunday, big weekend show. So you know how it works. During the holidays, folks like us tend to get a couple more at-bats and we take them because it's a yeah. labor of love. Take some at-bats. This is one of my at-bats that I'm doing Fox and Friends, the weekend version, four oh, hours on Saturday, four really? hours on Sunday. Is that a first? Uh, on on the, the Thanksgiving weekend? Yeah. Uh, I, I believe I've done it once before, but I, you know, I fill in on that show as needed, and it's always a good time. Because I'm on Saturday. Eat. 
Oh, you're on SoundCloud? Great. We'll be yep, reunited yep. again. And, Joe, I wonder if this breaking news will come up. Boys, roll the thing. All right. Hmm. Daryl Hall getting a restraining order against <laughs> John Oates. Now, that keep in mind, real. Joe Concha, yeah. it is sealed. So in order to figure out ultimately what the nature of the restraining order is, we're going to need private eyes. Joe, yeah. your thoughts? Well, look, John Oates went on to have a great career after Hall and Oates being Howard Stern's producer, and he became Baba Booey. I mean, the sure. resemblance is overwhelming. I mean, yeah, look, Daryl Hall, is first time I'm hearing this, so I'm kind of reacting organically, as we say in the business. Uh, are you suing him over uh, out of touch? Is that what's going it's on? It's unclear. Nobody knows because it's sealed. Yeah. And – but what what beef could these two have? They Money. created the Yacht Rock that we all know and love. Yeah. They are institutions from the 80s. And you think of them as just they're – just, they're just them. It's like, you know, salt and pepper, concha and pyro, Hall and oats. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, I guess it could only be seen by private eyes since it's sealed, right? So this is, yeah. uh, this is crazy. I use that joke. I use that, and I also said, I'm so upset, Joe, I can't go for that. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Maneater was a weird song, but it went to number yeah. one. So go figure, 1982. But, yeah, they've been together. I'm reading about this now. 1970 is when this duo launched. So think about how many years that is. 53 at last check. So how old must they be at this point? It, easily in their 70s, right? So 104. Think, 104, I believe, I believe. <laughs> right. Those private eyes are sagging. I got my uh, uh, money on Hall. You know, it's kind of like, who do you take, Simon or Garf- Garfunkel? You never want to be Garfunkel. You want to be Simon. In this case, I think Hall is bigger than Oates, and Hall probably has the better – legal team and Oates has like you know Lionel Hutz and that's that Joe what I love about radio is I thought we had unlimited time but I'm no. looking at my clock and the MSNBC story I wanted to get in, I only have a minute okay, so basically let me summarize um, Claire McCaskill at MSNBC said Trump is more dangerous than Hitler yeah. and Joe Scarborough said he's going to execute people 30 <laughs> seconds to you Joe oh where do I begin oh there was also a representative from New York named Dan Goldman who went on Jen Psaki's show you know the one the girl who sounds like she's on American Pie and one time sure. at band camp and he said that Donald Trump Donald Trump needs to be eliminated not defeated eliminated there's not too much ambiguity around that so between Trump's going to execute people Trump should be executed and Claire McCaskill saying the you know big threat to democracy I will end it here in 10 seconds. When you can't win on inflation, crime, border, education, foreign policy, then you have to resort to fear, and that is Donald Trump will destroy democracy. Vote for Biden. It's not going to work. Simply, you can't. Joe, you run our issues, you, man. Joe, every time you go away, you take a piece of me with you. Oh. That's my third Daryl Hall, John Oates reference. Joe Concha, everybody. We'll be right back. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. You are listening to Fox Across America, the show normally helmed by the amazing Jimmy Fela. I am the much less amazing Todd Patrick Pyro from Fox and Friends First, in for my good buddy Jimmy Fela, so we can enjoy a rare afternoon off. 
He is the hardest working man in show business. He's always either at a club doing a set or two or three in some instances to coming on my show in the middle of the night. And my favorite Jimmy story, Patriot Awards, not the last one that we had last week, but the one last year. Carly and I were there doing our show live. Jimmy Fela on Thursday night did the Patriot Awards. Let's remember that. He did the awards. He did a set and then was hopnobbing. He was going to the after party. Then Jimmy went to the casino because that was one was held in a casino. Gambled up until his hit time with us at like 5.30 a.m. Showed up, did his hit with us. It was an amazing hit. Jimmy Fela is a gamer. And so any opportunity to step in and help my bro I immediately took the chance to do. One of Jimmy's other bros is the great Julie Banderas, Fox News anchor. Julie, thank you so much for joining me here on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I appreciate that you you, uh, called me by my real name, and that is bro. That's actually what. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And Jimmy is my bro, for sure. And I'm his bro. When I was a... Starting out news person out in Palm Springs. I think I've told you the story. You've probably forgotten. Not because of you, but because I'm very unmemorable. Okay. Well, (laughs) my co-anchor, Stella, and I used to prep for our show, which was a local news show in Palm Springs at 6 o'clock on a Saturday, by watching the great Julie Banderas live on the Fox News channel. I remember story. I know it makes me so feel so freaking old. So thank you, Todd. That's great. That's my goal. My How goal is to you insult- at that point. I just want to know. Oh, gosh. I started late in this business, so I was uh, probably 30, excuse me, 34? Okay. No, I was 30. I was 30. Excuse me. I was 30. So, huh. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm not going to ask. Well, I was in my 30s, too. No, sure. actually, that means I was in my 30s, but just maybe a little older. <laughs> sure. Understood. Understood. Um, so I, I, I'm sorry to make you come and do this show on the day before Thanksgiving because I know you work a lot of shifts and you have a family and you got a lot to worry about during Thanksgiving and holidays as well. So with that, what are you doing to prepare? What are your plans tomorrow? All that good stuff. Well, first of all, as a mom of three, work is actually vacation. So don't right. ever apologize for me having to work because when I come into work, it's like, ah, I get to relax. It's like almost like going to the spa and getting a massage, honestly, I swear to God, because I don't have kids asking me to make them things to eat and complaining and fighting because they can't come into the studio. So it's actually my safe space. So you can have me on as much as you want. I do have all my three children in tow. And, yes, I work my butt off through the holidays. So Today I've got like four different um, shows I'm doing. And then tomorrow morning I am going to be hosting 9 to 12. I will have my children for that. They're going to hang out and watch the parade while mom's up in the studio. And then sometime around the last 10 minutes of the show or so, it's usually a tradition of mine since I I do every Thanksgiving, to go down to 6th Avenue and sit with my children and, and chat with them about what they're grateful for. And it's usually some kind of sarcastic joke that my children make at my expense. So that should be uh, really good fun. That's awesome. And look, what's so important mm-hmm. about what you just said, it's not about what tradition you do. It's about the fact that you do a tradition that the kids can 
one, look forward to year in and year out because it grounds them. But two, when they get older, it's that thing that they look back upon and say, that was an amazing memory that I had with mom. And you also raise a really great point. You're doing 9 to 12. You're right. You can pop them either, you know, floor 21, 20, whatever, and they can look over at 6th Avenue. If they want to get closer, they can do, like, floor 3 or whatever, and they have a bird's-eye view of that entire parade. And they grew up on the parade route because we actually, before I moved out of the city during the pandemic, we lived on 59th Street and 7th Avenue. So right along Central Park South, the parade, since they were born, before they were born, has always gone in front of my house. So Thanksgiving Day Parade is like a really, really special thing for us. I couldn't go without it. Like I spent, I think, the first Thanksgiving away from the parade around the pandemic, and it just wasn't the same watching it on television. So it is very special. And they do actually go outside and watch the parades in real, the parade in real life in the floats. So it is one of our favorite traditions. And you're right. It doesn't have to be, you know, your typical tradition where we wake up and stay in our pajamas all day and watch football. Mommy's at work. But I hope I'm setting a good example for them that, you know, you know, you have to work hard and and the rewards are definitely worth it. I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier uh, that I really hope my wife is not listening because she's been definitely (laughs) drilling me with the fact that you get to go into work. That is the vacation. We've had some situations. How can I put this delicately? Um, Our oldest likes to get up eight, nine times a night right now just to talk. Just uh, just to have important chats. She's not upset. Wait, who wants, wants to, to get up in the middle of the night to chat? A three-year-old. A three-year-old oh, wants to get up Lord. in the middle of the night to chat. Oh, and so, so you haven't you know, bought handcuffs yet? You're still, like, newish of a parent. So, um, yeah. yeah, once you get in – yeah, no, I, I, you ever heard of handcuffs? Uh, right uh, to the railings, right to the crib right. or to the bed. Yeah. And then no. we have the, um, the younger one who's, you know, finding her oats, too. So, yeah, my wife definitely true. has said multiple times what you said, going to work's the vacation, dude. She calls me bro no, as well. True. Bro. Um, yeah, it's true. I, I will say moms really do have the toughest jobs. I mean, because kids don't sleep when you want them to. So, And, you know, if one person's going to work, the other person's carrying the load at home. And the load at home is definitely harder than the office. And don't let anyone else tell you differently. But what's also key about the mom versus dad situation, like, let's be realistic. I call both of my parents every day, and the conversations yeah. I have with mom are different than the conversations with dad. I basically do what my three- and one-year-old do with their mom, my wife, with my mom. Yeah. I complain about things. I yeah. yell. I whine. I do With my dad, I'm like, so let's talk about the Giants and the stock market. Yeah, my mom, I'm just that? like. Like, why does the dad get the fun conversation and the mom gets all the grief? It's amazing. We're like psychologists. Yeah, unpaid. Does does any of this lead you to drink during the holiday season? Actually, um, funny you say that. I mean, I I believe the pandemic really uh, started that off. So I got a head start through the pandemic and homeschooling, and then I just kept the tradition rolling. So, um, But absolutely, uh, I do think that the cocktails are helpful through the holiday season, um, especially when it comes to uh, kids in the house uh, for days on end that aren't in school and then all the chaos that ensues. I also have two dogs, three kids, seven fish, and two birds. So it's a really quiet household. So, yes, the wine is always an arm length away. I have absolutely nothing to complain about. But, again, I'm going to treat you like the mom that you are. I'm going to complain to you. So I have to not only do this today. I have to, you know, pack up 
and then I got to do my job tomorrow, and then I got to come home, and then I got to go to Thanksgiving, and then I got to do Thanksgiving, and then I got to go to sleep and get up again because I got to go to work. What I'm concerned about is that I won't get a chance to drink my normal holiday level drinking because Julie, you know what? I really want it to sound like clip two at about, I don't know, six, six thirty tomorrow. Play clip two, boys. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foot him uh, foot, foot. That's what I was hoping to sound like by about six, six thirty tomorrow, but apparently because I have a job to do, Julie, <laughs> I can't. I actually do think that you – listen, I actually hate complainers. It's probably my biggest pet peeve is people who complain. It really drives me nuts. But I will say this. The one thing I complain about incessantly is being tired. And if I had your job with your schedule and your hours, I have anchored that show many years ago. Um, I could not. I couldn't do it. I don't know how you do it, especially with children. Uh, I don't know how you do it. So you have full carte blanche – uh, you, you get my full blessing to complain all the heck you want. Here's the deal. I've been doing this since, for better or for worse, 2009, working a morning shift. And in the yeah. beginning, I didn't think I'd ever be able to do it because, you know, I was a lawyer, and lawyers, notoriously, if you're not in court, you get in like 9, 9.30. Uh, my day currently is done by 9, 9.30. So obviously it has definitely been a, a, an adjustment from, you know, my, my earlier years. But still... I'm so used to it now, and as a dude, I find this is another difference between men and women. Yes, there are differences between men and women. I can sleep anytime, anywhere, no matter the distractions. Like, literally, if they allowed me to take a three-minute nap in between the five-minute commercial breaks here, I totally could. I find that the women in my life cannot do that, and that's, quite frankly, how I survive, Julie is because, you know, I can take a half an hour, an hour here, refresh myself, and put myself in a position so that I'm not stammering over myself. You know, like clip two we just played. You don't need to play it again, even though it is my favorite clip. So do you have that same thing? Can you sleep anytime, anywhere, or you are more along the lines no, of the women in my life? I can't. I, I also think that women and mothers don't have the ability to just nod off. I think men are able to nod off because they know there's a woman somewhere taking care of whatever <laughs> they're sleeping through. <laughs> well played. I swear. And I also think that men just have like, I don't know, like a calmer brain. You know, like when I lay down in bed, I am thinking about not only everything I did that day and how I didn't sit down once. I'm thinking about everything I have to do tomorrow and then the following day. And then there's this project and that project for school. And it's just it's never ending. So I, I don't think women have the ability or moms have the ability to like turn off our brains. So and I think there's something absolutely truth about that. You know, I, you yeah. know, my wife says the same thing all the time. Like when I sit there, it's like Homer Simpson thinking of a donut. Like that's the only thought that's in my head where she is going through list upon list upon list, like a quarterback checking off things at the line. Um, so, you know, sorry. I don't know what to say to that. Like if I could no, help you, I would, but is, you know, it's like this genetic. is what, I think it's inherent. Yeah. It's like part of being a woman. Well, all we do is, like, worry and stress. And when it comes time to sleeping, like, I just see that men sometimes literally will just fall asleep sitting up anywhere, just like you just explained. I wish I could do that, but no, I cannot. It's an awesome skill to have. Uh, before we let you go, let's do some news. I mean, we are ostensibly the news people on the radio right now for Fox News, so let's do some news. Yeah. Um, I want to play Jim Messini. He's the former Obama campaign manager, and he's talking about the third-party thing. I-, I hear this, and I hear 
abject fear, a little bit of confusion in the soundbite, but abject fear about this third party, multiple third parties running against Joe Biden. Play clip seven. This is a place where I do a little bedwetting. Um, when I'm sitting up at night, this is the thing I worry about. If Joe Manchin decides he wants to run on a third-party ticket, that could elect Donald Trump. And we need to be very clear about some of these third-party candidacies. I think RFK Jr. is different. I think he's speaking at CPAC. He's talking about MAGA stuff. I think in the end he takes votes away from Trump, not Biden. Um, but I think a third party with a Democrat on it could be difficult, and that's why I've been so critical of these stupid efforts. You know, when people want to play around with American politics, we could actually get rid of democracy in the middle of this. So I think we need to be very, very careful about what we do. This is about democracy. Three questions for you, Julie. Take them in the order you like. One, what do you make about these constant, oh, my God, democracy's at stake? Two, does it sound to you like they are really scared about any of these third-party candidates, whether it's RFK Jr., Manchin, or even somebody like Cornell West? And three, do we need to stop using the phrase bedwetting in the context of politics? Your thoughts on all yeah, that? Yeah, well, actually, I mean, bedwetters, there are a lot of um, weak politicians, and I do see bedwetting as something that might be a good way to describe them. But I would have to say, as far as these third-party candidates, I mean, anybody's getting in the ring because they don't want Joe Biden back in. I mean, so if it's a third party, if it's I mean, they don't have any Democrats, name me one Democrat that's like a real strong contender. None. Um, so I, I don't think that the Democrats really have anybody to challenge their president, who is obviously flailing in the polls and is not a match to Donald Trump if they were to go head to head, according to the polls. So, of course, there's got to be these these third parties. But the only problem is that the third party never gets enough votes to really take the vote away. All it's going to do is really just hurt the uh, number two, and it's going to help the Republican. If you were to have like a Donald Trump-Joe Biden matchup, that's all all it's going to do is take some votes away from Biden, but not necessarily hand Trump the election. But it's not going to hurt Trump, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think that's goes to my point of the fear of all this. If you listen to that, we talked about whining kids in the first part of the segment here, yeah. right? Jim Messina sounds like a whiny kid being like, these kids are playing around with American politics. Well, no, if you're above 35 and you're an American citizen, you have the right to run for president. And it's this condescending attitude that, like, these people shouldn't do it because it's going to ruin their entrenched view of how the world should work. No, it's called democracy. The thing that you said, oh, my God, democracy. Is a, well, democracy is a two-way street. It's not democracy is whatever the Democrats want it to be. And I think what you're hearing in this sound, but you're hearing the fear, you're hearing the condescension, and you're hearing what they're going to refer to throughout the remainder of between now and next November. It's Republicans, especially Donald Trump, are going to end democracy in the United States. You heard it in the last soundbite. Joe Scarborough say Donald Trump is going to execute people. He's not going to follow decisions from the courts. And then you have Claire McCaskill saying he's Hitler. I mean, I think this is what they're going to latch on to because they don't have the policies, Julie. Yeah, and it's interesting how democracy is only important if it suits your needs and it suits your uh, policies. And so Democrats really do talk out of both sides of their mouth. They don't want to see democracy. Are you kidding me? Unless it, of course, 
suits them. And what's been going on in this country right now, as far as the far left, as far as the protests that we've been seeing in college campuses and democracy, where's the democracy there? Where are the, you know, far left squad members and the women championing against women, um, uh, basically, because there were so many women who were, you know, turned into atrocities in Israel, and I don't see any of that. So where is the democracy? It's only there when it suits their cause and their 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 mission. And you know what's going to happen when it comes to you know voting time and voters go into those polls? They're going to remember all of this. They're going to remember how the Democrats turned their back on Jews in this country and supported these pro-Palestinian terrorist protests all across the country in major democratic cities. What do you think is going to happen to those elected officials and in college campuses all across the country? What do you think is going to happen to all those donors who all those Jewish donors who put, you know, thousands and millions of dollars into these college and universities? They're supposed to be shaping our youth's young minds. All we're doing is, you know, corroding them and polluting their minds. Um, it's really sad. So, yeah, democracy. What's democracy, really? I think the Democrats know they're in trouble. They're panicking, and that's why you're hearing this panic in their voice. Julie Banderas, have totally. a great weekend. Enjoy your kids. Yep. Thank you so much for joining us. We will be right back. Jimmy Fallon. Nice kid, but a little dumb. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fox Across America with your fill-in host, Todd Pyro from Fox and Friends First. In for the great Jimmy Fela. One hour in the books. We've got two hours to go. We've got a great guest lineup for your day before Thanksgiving. Allison Esposito, she is a GOP congressional candidate for New York's 18th district. Is this finally the time that New York State goes red, realizing that the blue policies have put them in the position that they are in. We also have Tudor Dixon. Love Tudor Dixon. She has a podcast, ran for governor of Michigan. Looking forward to her. And the man I call America's accountant, Dan Geltrude. We're going to be talking money, and we're going to go beyond the, your Thanksgiving turkey cost X this year versus last year. We're going to be getting to some real issues, so make sure you stick around for that. A big two hours ahead. Don't go anywhere. Hopefully you're driving to be with friends and family. And if you are, keep it here for another two hours. Todd Pyro on Fox Across America. See you in a bit. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hey, America. It's not Jimmy Fallon. It's Todd Pyro in for my friend Jimbo who's hopefully enjoying a little family time. Look, this cat is all over our great country, making you laugh. Let the man have an afternoon off. That's all he asks for, his friends stepping up to help him out, take three hours of radio off his plate. He can then fill that plate with a lot of good yummies tomorrow on Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, America. Hope you are excited for tomorrow. Hope you're going to get an opportunity to spend it with family and friends. And for many of you, I know today is a day for prep. You're probably in a kitchen right now getting everything ready for tomorrow. But for a number of you, and that number is in the millions, you are traveling today. You are on a plane, a train, or in an automobile. And I'd like to remember back to Thanksgiving's Yesteryear for me, I'm reminded of these yesteryear Thanksgiving. I'm looking at my Los Angeles Lakers T-shirt that I'm wearing right now because the best part about radio when you're doing it from your house is that you don't need to wear a suit and makeup. You can wear shorts 
and a Los Angeles Lakers T-shirt. But the point is, yes, I lived in California, and I remember Thanksgivings having to hop on the freeways. You'd leave downtown, try to leave a little early, and you'd get on the 10. Sometimes you'd just skip the 10. You'd go on the 101, and then you'd finally make your way to the 405. Or if you went a different direction, you'd just get on the 5, and then you have to get over the grapevine. All these numbers, if you're a West Coast person listening, if you've been to California, these roads are bad normally. These roads are bad on like a Tuesday in July. You talk about bad the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. It's next level. Like, it is not good. And you go two miles an hour. You finally get to your location. You're exhausted. And all you want to do is drink. So that's what you do because you're in California, and that's where they have the wine. And then you wake up, it's Thanksgiving, and then you drink again. So basically this is a cry for help. I'm using these next two hours as a cry for help for drinking that I did many, many years ago in the great state of California. And I arrived at this position all because I'm wearing a Lakers shirt. So, you know, if you have any thoughts, dial in. Talk about the Lakers. We'll make this a basketball show if you want, the sport I know the least about. But we'll do that if that's what you want, because I am here to serve you, the American people, much like your family will serve you Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow. Um, I think we should probably get to a little news. We've talked enough about my clothing for one Wednesday. And I want to talk about the city that we work in. If you work at the Fox News Channel and you're in New York City, uh, used to be the Big Apple, used to be an amazing place, used to be uh, a place that I had dreamed of working as a little kid growing up in New Jersey. And now that dream has become a nightmare and it's going to get worse. And why is it going to get worse? Why are we going from literally horrific to whatever worse than horrific is, is because New York City has blown over a billion dollars, $1.45 billion in fiscal 23 on the migrant crisis. But wait, there's more. The projection is that it's going to spend nearly $11 billion in 2024 and 2025 on said migrant crisis. So let's backtrack a moment. When we say migrant crisis, what do we mean? Well, the reason there's a migrant crisis in New York City, besides the horrific border policies of the Biden administration that allowed these individuals to come into our country without any restrictions, New York City has touted itself as a sanctuary city forever. And the Democrats that have reigned supreme in New York City and New York State for that matter, but New York City ran on the compassion ticket. We are compassionate. Bring us everybody. It doesn't matter what their background is, what their reasoning is for wanting to come to the United States. We will take them in New York City because we're compassionate. We're a sanctuary city. And it went perfectly for New York City until they had to take those people in. And then all of a sudden, oh, my God, it's panic at the disco. We can't handle this. It's going to cost billions upon billions of dollars. But you ran on this, Mayor Adams. You didn't say you were going to be an immigration hardliner. No, 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 because you had to win the Democratic primary in order to make it into the race. And then in New York City, once you make it into the race, it's a fait accompli that you're going to ultimately win in New York City because everybody instinctively votes Democrat in New York City. So you used it to get in, and now you complain that, oh, it's the federal government's fault. Look, nobody's going to sit here and deny that the – 
the underlying reason for New York City's issues started because of the Biden administration's lacks, laps, lack of border policy or lack of border security. Nobody's going to doubt that. And so you are right to say you need to help us with this. But you also need to acknowledge that you got yourself in this position by being soft on sanctuary city policies during your campaign. And, of course, this started with de Blasio. We all know that. But you continued it, and you had an opportunity to run and say, I will not allow this happen to happen in this city, and you did not do that. And now you need to reap the consequences of what you sow. So what will this ultimately mean for the city of New York? I know the mayor came out and said, we're not going to impact cops. No, at the end of the day, that's a budgetary trick, and we call it what it is. New York City will have fewer people, no matter which way you cut it, protecting us in blue. Is that what New York City needs right now? The city is is teetering, man. You don't see the amount of cops on the streets that you did just five, six years ago. People are scared to go in. I, for one, used to always hang out in the city after work, before work, to see friends. Now I get in, I do my job, which I love, by the way. So I'm not going to be dissuaded from doing my job, 5 to 6 a.m., Fox and Friends first on the Fox News Channel. But it's not as fun. I want to get back. I want to get back home to Connecticut where I feel more safe than in New York City. And this is obviously is not going to get better if you take more cops off the streets. But it goes beyond that. You're depriving generations of little kids and education because you're taking money ultimately from education. Now, you could say these big cities throw too much money at education and there are um, the benefits aren't there because of it. And I think that can be a valid point. But getting rid of more money in the education budget certainly isn't going to make that situation improve in any way, shape, or form. Yes, you need to attack the teachers' unions and figure out how the money is ultimately being allocated. But going from, and this is a made-up number, going from 100 to 75 is not going to help any student. And this also begs another question. $11 billion in 24 and 25? Go on Wikipedia later on today, or now, if you're not doing anything. $11 billion is the GDP of some countries. You can't tell me that you can't even, I'm not saying we should be feeding and housing people who are doing something illegal, crossing our border illegally, and then basically squatting in New York City. I'm not saying we should do that, but if you did, and you didn't even require them to work, and you gave them all their food, and you gave them all their housing, there is no mathematical way that over a two-year period, that would add up to $11 billion. So there's a grift going on somewhere. And me thinks it's the same grift that happens with what I like to refer to as the homeless industrial complex, both in New York City and in cities nationwide. I have a hunch that if you gave every homeless person shelter, it would not cost as much as we spend on homelessness in these cities. Similarly, same point here with the migrant crisis. I guarantee you can do all of this, not saying you should, but I guarantee you could do it all for less than $11 billion. So somebody's making a profit here, whether it's the hotels that are housing these people, some NGO, somebody is walking away with money. And you know who suffers? The citizens of New York City 
many of whom are working two, three, four jobs just to survive in the most expensive city in the country. It's the people like me who go in there every day to try and work and who are legitimately scared for their safety in a way that they weren't a couple years ago. It's just bad for everybody that is playing by the rules. And it really does beg the question, in America, in New York, in 2023, Thanksgiving, is playing by the rules even the way you should go anymore? Because it sure seems like the people who don't play by the rules, they get all the benefits. And the rest of us are left holding the bag. And holding the bag in a city that probably is going to have that bag stolen out of your hands because there are fewer cops on the street. It's a bad situation. Mayor Adams is not making it better. Asking the federal government to fix their problem, even though, yes, you are in the right in that regard because they started this problem, it's not solving the problem. You need You needed to, I should say, be stronger when you were campaigning. But we all know you weren't going to do that because all you cared about was getting elected, and now you're dealing with the consequences. Before we go, we haven't even mentioned the number one problem with the illegal immigration, and it's the safety. There was a new alert out that said, big cities, New York City looking at you, you need to be prepared because – We are concerned, Intel World, that there's going to be some type of strike, some type of terror event in New York City. That's absolutely terrifying. And, of course, it goes back to why? Because we're not vetting people at the border when it would be so easy to do so. Had the honor of speaking with the governor of New Hampshire. He's trying to do something at his border to keep us safe, but it's a tiny border. Nevertheless, he's trying to do something. I talked with him earlier this morning about... The fact that the watch list is kind of just a piece of paper to this Biden administration. Roll clip 15. There is a surge there. It's not like the southern border, but still hundreds of thousands of illegal crossings last year. And the most notable statistic here is that you have more folks on the terror watch list coming over the northern border than the southern border. So there is risk there. We've lost a lot of our federal funding. Operation Stone Garden resources have been moved to the southern border. Personnel have been moved away. Uh, When we asked that to be replaced, they wouldn't do it. So we did it ourselves. We put our own money, our own resources, our own alliance, if you will, of law enforcement together. Now, I respect the fact that Governor Sununu has a, a little bit more disposable cash on hand. And, and, and by that, I mean he doesn't have a budget that is so bloated as Mayor Adams there in New York City. But he's doing something. you got Governor Abbott there in Texas. You have a low number of the red state governors doing something to keep our nation safe and to try to rescue us somehow from the border policies of the left. But it's a large border. New Hampshire is a tiny border. Uh, Texas only has a little bit of the border. There are other states into which bad actors can come, and that's the concern. And as we sit here on this Thanksgiving Eve, looking forward to celebrating with friends and family tomorrow, it pains me to think that a year from now that these bad actors that we know are in our country could do something to ruin your Thanksgiving, many of our Thanksgivings, in a way reminiscent of one of the worst days in American history, we know what that day is, 9-11. And I'm not saying that's going to happen next year. Obviously, nobody can predict something like that. If we could, we could stop it. But it's the fear that that could happen. And it was completely avoidable just by enforcing the laws at the border. That's all we needed to do to mitigate the chances of something horrific happening. Couldn't prevent it entirely. We know that. There's risk in life. That's 
the bargain we make when we take breath on this planet. You do not get to go through this life risk-free. But, boy, the Biden administration sure made it more likely that between now and next Thanksgiving, there are going to be some sad families, all thanks to their horrific open border policies. With that, we're going to lighten it up after this break. Fox Across America, Todd Pyro, your fill-in host for the great Jimmy Fallon. We will be back after this. The reviews are in. That is a disgusting act, and it's unfortunate that we had that on our air live. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Great song. This is Rockwell, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I am Todd Pyro in for Jimmy Fela here on Fox Across America. And I first met Jimmy back in 2017. And we bonded over our, I don't want to call the word love because it's tough to love somebody that hurts you. Uh, but the quote-unquote bonding was over the New York football giants. And uh, it turns out the only thing worse than the New York football giants is the stadium that the Giants and Jets play in. According to the Athletics' anonymous player poll, MetLife Stadium was named the NFL's worst venue to play in, garnering 18.4% of the vote, well ahead of second-place FedEx Field, home of the Commanders at 13.9%. And as for these players who said this, you're 100% right. It is the absolute worst stadium in the world it's worse than any place that i've ever attended and a sporting event at let me quickly explain why before i bring in giant super fans mike and josh parking it's horrific trying to get to the stadium it's horrific it takes you forever they've made it literally a maze that cannot be navigated once you get inside it's like a big air conditioner not because of the temperature but because it looks like an air conditioner it has no character it is boring everything they do there is boring and oh by the way the teams are horrible mike and josh weigh in you know uh this is josh by the way um so i have not been back to metlife stadium for a giants game since 2010 you know what i do now at this point if i do want to see the giants play football I don't go to the home stadium. I go on the road. I've been to Arizona, Dallas, Green Bay. Much rather go and get an experience than deal with that air conditioning warehouse. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I would say I have to agree with Josh, except for the fact that as Todd and I were talking about off the air, I was there about a month ago for the Giants-Jets game. And, I mean, you want to talk about, like, just the worst circumstances. Not only was it, you know, the stadium is terrible, but – you know, it was pouring rain, as you know, Todd, and it was just like a miserable game. The most punts it felt like ever. Game took forever, and it, the result did not go our way. So it was just uh, not the best day, especially considering how much I spent for tickets to sit in the nosebleed seats. The reason it is so bad, it, there's a factual reason behind it. The Jets and Giants both had to agree on everything. The Jets wanted A, the Giants wanted B, and so they settled on crap. Like, literally, that's what happened. And as a result, nobody got anything they wanted, and nobody got anything worth uh, you-know-what. And unfortunately, we're stuck with the stadium for some time. And Nobody's going to sit here and say the old giant stadium was a beauty, but it had character. It had charm. There was something about it when you went there that you felt like, ah, oh, man, I'm watching old-time, uh, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust football. 
There was just something about it. The, the seats were falling apart. Like, that's not the issue. The issue is this new stadium is just lacking. The fan experience is bad. I have people come from other places. I know, Josh, you said you go to other places. I have people come here and be like, you guys spent a billion point three dollars or $1.3 billion for that? And that's the issue. Of course, it was, you know, the union costs jacked up, and people got rich on it. Where have you heard that before on this show in the last couple minutes? People got rich on it, and instead the fans got the shaft. And let's not forget about the field. The field causes player injuries that cause people to lose their careers. You think free agents are going to want to sign on these two teams? I'm not saying that's the reason both teams are an embarrassment, but it certainly is not helping it. Boys, take us home. Yeah, it would just be nice to – have a good product out there you know you you thought they would make some improvements over the terrible turf of the old giant stadium and yet it's worse oh yeah the turf's a huge issue (laughs) it's a problem i am thankful for the fact that i don't have to go back there not only on this thanksgiving but for the rest of the year thank you to those who bought my tickets fox across america returns after this Hello, everybody. This is Todd Pyro back with you. Todd Pyro, yeah, the guy you you get up with at 5 a.m. every morning on Fox and Friends First. 5 a.m. East Coast time. So I respect the fact that you're in the middle of the country. It could be 4 a.m., could be 3 a.m. If you're on the West Coast, you could end up watching us before you go to bed. Uh, we appreciate every single one of you. We have a loyal fan base, and we love the fact that you hang out with us in the morning. We also know Jimmy Fail has got a loyal fan base and I thank him for allowing me to speak with you fine folks for three hours here on Thanksgiving Eve. I'm thankful for it and I hope you are too. I also want you to look at your calendar. Thanksgiving. Turns out it's, a, it's in November this year. Shocker. Uh, it's in November every year as we well know and you know what else is in November of every year? Some type of election day. This year, it was an odd year. There were a few elections. Next year, I guarantee it will be billed as the most important election of our lifetime. Already is being billed as that. And, of course, all eyes will be on the presidential election. But let's not discount Congress. Let's not discount the House of Representatives. Republicans have a, I don't even want to call it razor-thin majority. What is thinner than a razor? Because that's what the Republicans have right now. They're going to try to hold it, if not expand it. It's going to be tough. And one of the races that the pundits are paying very close attention to is New York 18th. And somebody who's running for the seat is somebody that I've interviewed once before on my television program. Now we're on radio. We're going to have a lot more time to get into the details. Her name is Allison Esposito, and she joins me now. Allison, thank you so much for being here. Well, hello, and thank you for having me, and happy almost Thanksgiving. Happy almost Thanksgiving to you. Like I said off the top, look, your race is being watched. There's going to be a lot of money poured into your race. Why do you think you can win? Well, I, I know we can win because we already did win. Um, Lee and I carried, uh, in, the, in the last election for governor, we carried the, the, this district the 18th district by three points. 
Uh, people in the district are thirsty for a change. They know they need a leader that represents their values and their ideas and their policies, policies that will represent them. We won this district by three points, and I know that I can win this district this time around. Pat Ryan is absolutely the wrong guy for the job. He does not speak for the residents of the Hudson Valley. He is a champion. Uh, has marched in defund the police rallies. He made Ulster County a sanctuary county and refused to allow authorities there to work with ICE. This is not what Orange County, Ulster County, Dutchess County residents want and need in their lives. What they need is government to fulfill their number one priority, which is protecting their people, and then they'd like to run their own lives. And when you're talking about 2022, I want to be clear with the audience about a few things. Lee is, of course, Lee Zeldin, who ran for governor. You are on his ticket as well. And so when you say you are up plus three, you're talking in the governor's race there in 2022. Um, But again, keep in mind, this is a, a national radio audience. And I know that when I talk to people from other states, they, they view New York as a monolith being a completely Democrat state. And let's be clear, the, the cities ultimately tip the balance in favor of Democrats. But there are huge pockets of conservatism in New York State. So if you could explain how the values of the city, or excuse me, the values of the location where you live really align with the values of the people in Nebraska, in Texas, in Montana. So New York is labeled a blue state, but I would submit that New York is a red state with blue dots. Um, and those are, are the cities that you, uh, that you referenced. Um, but when you come out of the cities, you have people that want to def- decide what's best for their families, people that want to decide what's best for their children, people that believe in diversifying energy, people that want their taxes lower, um, people that want to be able to go to work without over-regulating, people that don't want to be told that they either have to take a vaccine or they have to wear a mask or they have to do A, B, C, or D. The Orange County, Ulster County, Dutchess County residents are just those people. They are the same type of people that have fled New York uh, in search of freer, cheaper, and safer states in Florida, in Texas, uh, in the Carolinas. This is, this is what's happening in New York, and this is why uh, Lee Zeldin and I lost by such a razor-thin margin in such a quote-unquote blue state, because it's a, blue, it's a red state with blue dots. And unfortunately, those populists, the, the populist cities, uh, determined the, the last election. But you saw in, a, in what's called a blue state a razor-thin margin of, of victory uh, by the Democrats should get them to wake up and stop – pushing their ridiculous energy regulations, um, banning natural gas hookups in all new construction in New York State, uh, overtaxing, uh, allowing the, the bureaucracy to take over where you can't get new pipelines, we can't be energy independent. It's, it's just a horrific attack on America's wallets, uh, energy, uh, working class. They, we are the, the most taxed in uh, the country. Uh, we have a, an incredibly overzealous spending budget. It, it has to be. It, it has to be taken down. Um, it has to be lowered, and we have to put money back into our good, hardworking New Yorkers' pockets. And that's what this district represents. 
We're going to get back to 2024 with you in a second, but we are just getting breaking news. And again, we were joking around with the Daryl Hall, John Oates breaking news before. That wasn't real breaking news. This is, and I want to get your thoughts on it. We don't have much right now, but there are reports. Fox News is reporting a vehicle explosion reported at the Rainbow Bridge near Niagara Falls, one injured. I, I know this isn't your area, but it is in New York State, and it is way too premature to speculate as to any reasoning, any cause, anything like that. But you are in law enforcement, if I'm not mistaken, correct, Allison? Correct. 25 years with the New York City Police Department, and I only left because I realized that I had to fight for what was best for the people of New York State. Okay, when you hear a report like that, vehicle explosion reported at a bridge, Niagara Falls, one injured. I'm not asking you to speculate what happened. I would never put you on the spot. I want to know the law enforcement mind. I want to get inside the law enforcement mind. What questions should we be asking? What are you thinking when I read that to you? So I was I was briefed very quickly on that. It is still very new news and very breaking, so we cannot speculate as to what it is. But when you hear something like that, it elicits a fear response, um, and it should. Now, it could be an accident. Um, I'm being told that there was a vehicle involved. I don't know about the injuries. Um, it, could, it could be something as uh, – I don't want to say simple, but it could be something – um, like a, a tractor-trailer explosion coming over the bridge. I, I, I don't know. It could be something much more nefarious. But as a law enforcement officer now, we have to get units to the scene. Uh, we have to make sure that we're evaluating witnesses, uh, possibility of secondary devices. If it was a nefarious or terrorist type of a, an event, they have to look through video. They have. There's a lot of things. This is very, very new. There's a lot of things that law enforcement on the ground has to do. Um, But this is indicative of a a greater problem that we have in New York and in the United States, and that is we have to make sure that we are securing our borders. And you can look at the southern border right now, and it's a mess. And I'm not sure what just happened on our northern border, but it has to be investigated. As a law enforcement officer, it definitely makes me nervous. Uh, we We have to get there. We have to evaluate. Unfortunately, we don't have enough. Uh, to even speculate on on what type of event this is right now. Of course. And, and if you're just joining us, the breaking news, a vehicle explosion is being reported at the Rainbow Bridge. That is near Niagara Falls. One person reported injured. Again, Fox News reporting that. And, and before we move on, there are just certain things when I read something like that on a day like today that go through my mind. Today, the busiest travel day of the year. So you have to imagine there are a lot of people on roads. Presumably that means there are a lot of people on bridges. And, of course, Thanksgiving, at least tomorrow's Thanksgiving, is an American holiday. So you have to imagine there are a number of people that are dual citizens or in Canada for some other reason traversing that bridge in order to come from Canada to the United States to spend the holiday with relatives. So these are all factors that we need to think about as this story develops. We will continue to stay on top of it and bring you any new developments as we know them. But getting back to 2024, Allison, for a moment, it is a ticket that is is different than 2022 uh, because the president is up for grabs. The president's seat is up for grabs. As you sit here right now and you look at the candidates, 
there's always going to be speculation. Oh, Trump is going to drag this ticket down. Trump's going to raise this ticket up. I hope it's Haley. I hope it's Trump. Joe Biden's going to do this, that, and the other thing. How do you think the ultimate presidential contenders, whoever they are, will impact down-ballot races, specifically yours? Well, a presidential election historically drives out voters, uh, people who are in support of a president and people who are dead set against a president. But right now, it doesn't matter what side of the fence that you're on, whether you are an independent, a Democratic voter, a Republican voter. I keep saying this is not a red wave. It's a common sense wave. Joe Biden's um, approval rating is abysmal. It, Democrats, Republicans, independents, people who have never voted before know that he is driving this country into the ground. People are less safe. They have less money in their pockets. They're not able to put food on the table or gas in their cars. We have record high gas prices over the course of his administration. Inflation is high. People realize that this country is going in the wrong direction. So really, I don't think the Republican candidate is going to make that big a difference yet up or down. I think that Joe Biden is doing such a poor job representing the United States of America. We have lost our our footing on the world stage. We have war in Ukraine. We have war in Israel. We had a a, a terrorist attack um, in Israel that's absolutely unconscionable. And this all happened because Biden is a weak president and he supports his policies are supported by my opponent, Pat Ryan who refused to even give grant aid to Israel in in, um, a standalone bill that was put forth in Congress. These are the wrong people representing the United States. So I don't think it matters who's at the top of the ticket. I think they're going to listen to Alison Esposito and her policies and her ideas and her passion. And I think that the uh, New York 18 voters are realizing that someone who spent 25 years in the New York City Police Department, who has fought every day of her life for the people of New York – who stepped away from a job and a career that she loved with a passion because she wanted to continue to fight to represent the people of New York 18 and the people of the United States of America. I don't think it matters who's at the top of the ticket. I think they're going to see this congressional race for what it is, and they are going to vote out Pat Ryan, who is wrong for District 18. And I think the state of the state is such that people are scared for their safety. And if you compare 2024 to 2020 when, you know, every cop was bad in 2020, I think Democrats who had that attitude and voted that way said to themselves, oh, wait, maybe these people that, you know, put their lives on the line to keep a stranger like me safe, they're not so bad after all. And so I think that's going to inure to your benefit. To continue with the law enforcement theme, I want to give more details on the breaking news that we reported with you just moments ago. The FBI is now investigating the vehicle explosion at the Rainbow Bridge border crossing between the U.S. and Canada. Again, Fox News reporting this. The international border crossing points between Canada and western New York closed. Let's keep that in mind. Border crossing points are closed. It reportedly injured at least one person, a 27-year-old male, taken to a local hospital with minor injuries. Condition is not severe. Federal authorities said the incident involved a vehicle as it attempted to enter the U.S. The FBI Buffalo field office is involved, and they are coordinating with local, state, and federal law enforcement. I want to jump off of that point because, obviously, I'm in the news. We do a lot of stories. It seems rare to me 
that we report the FBI's involvement so soon into a breaking news story like this. Is that due to the fact that this is the border? This is on the border between New York and Canada, and this bridge connects Niagara Falls, New York, and Niagara Falls, Canada? Or does, should we read into that more? I don't think we can read into anything at this point. I think that the FBI most likely is out there, um, and possi- great possibility is a jurisdictional thing, and a great possibility is because it's at the border and it's coming from Canada into the United States. So I would urge everyone to stay calm until we know the facts. Um, but you're right. I mean, there are, are certain things that just kind of jump off the page, it being you coming up on Thanksgiving, the heaviest travel day of the year, uh, the fact that it was a border bridge. So and the fact that the state of the world that we're in right now, you know, thanks to Joe Biden's uh, failure at the southern border just so far this year, more than 170 known terrorists from special interest countries have crossed our border and been caught. And there are 1.8 million gotaways. So we don't know who was in that group of 1.8 million gotaways in this country. Um, that, that 170 number is more than the last 10 years combined of known caught terrorists crossing our southern border from special interest countries. Dana Perino said it the other day on The Five. She said the farther we get from September 11th, the closer we get to September 10th. And with, his, with Biden's lax policies, the policies that, that Pat Ryan supports – Um, He does not believe in a wall. He does not believe in border security. In fact, he voted against it. These are the policies that are making Americans and New Yorkers unsafe. And that is why there's so much cause for concern at a border, at an entrance on the day before Thanksgiving, the heaviest, the heaviest traveled travel day of the year. And this is most likely why the FBI rushed to be involved. Um, I am hoping and praying that everyone is okay and that it is not a terror or nefarious act. Um, but we're going to have to let the facts shake out, and, and it, they'll, they'll surface soon. One final note, Peace Bridge, Lewiston, Queenston Bridge, and Whirlpool Bridge are also closed as the incident is investigated. Typically don't do traffic reports on a national news show, but this is a major travel day, and you all out there should, should be aware of it. Allison Esposito, GOP congressional candidate for New York's 18th district. A lot of people watching this race. We've got about 11 months to go. We'll be talking to you again, guaranteed, before November so of 24. Best of luck. Fox Across America returns after this. You're listening to the man with the fashion sense that's all his own. Looks like a gay bag lady. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And we are back with breaking news and an update on that breaking news out of upstate New York. The FBI investigating a vehicle explosion at the Rainbow Bridge border crossing between the United States and Canada. And now sources are telling Fox News that this was an attempted terror attack. Here's what we know. According to high level police sources, they they told Fox News explosives were in the vehicle at the time. Two people who were in the car are dead. A border officer is injured. This vehicle was driving from the United States to Canada, attempting to drive toward the border office building. All bridges in the area closed. All government buildings are evacuated, according to that same source. And all international border crossing points between Canada and western New York are closed as well. 
we will keep you posted on this breaking news update. Again, a vehicle explosion at the Rainbow Bridge border crossing between the United States and Canada. Fox News reporting it was an attempted terror attack. More Fox Across America after this. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Todd Pyro from Fox and Friends First, in for Jimmy Fallon. And we begin this hour with a Fox News alert. Sources are telling Fox News that there was an attempted terror attack at the Rainbow Bridge border crossing between the United States and Canada. The FBI currently is investigating. Here is what we know at this time. Explosives were in the vehicle. Two people who were in that car are dead. A border officer injured. Now, this vehicle was driving from the United States to Canada, attempting to drive toward the border officer building. That's according to sources that are speaking to Fox News. Right now, all bridges in the area are closed. All government buildings evacuated. International border crossing points between Canada and western New York are closed. It has also injured at least one person, this 27-year-old male taken to Niagara Falls Memorial Hospital with minor injuries, including back pain and minor cuts. His condition is not severe. We have some new updates from some various uh, individuals in the area, starting with the Buffalo Airport. They say the following in response to this incident. They are increasing security system-wide. Cars coming into the Buffalo Airport will undergo security checks. Travelers can expect additional screenings. We also know that, uh, I'm just scrolling through here, uh, alcohol, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. New York has also responded to this to assist the FBI, which is the lead agency. And Governor Kathy Hochul, Hochul has stated that the New York State Police are working with the FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force to monitor all points of entry to New York. She is traveling to Buffalo to meet with law enforcement. And that's a big deal if she wasn't otherwise going there. She is from there. She could be going there for her Thanksgiving. But if she was planning on staying in Albany, it is a big deal that she is headed up there to deal with this. This is not your run-of-the-mill accident on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. With that, let's bring in Tudor Dixon, my friend, 2022 Michigan Republican gubernatorial nominee. Had hoped to talk about the 2024 race, the intrigue there, but we got to get your thoughts uh, on this, Tudor. Well, I mean, I think this is a very scary situation. This was a car that was filled with explosives. It seems as though, I mean, we don't know the details, but it seems as though the car was going very fast in order to cause this explosion at this crossing. The question is, what does that mean? What is the end goal with this? Is this just the beginning of something to get more people to come across? I I don't know. I mean, this is, to me... Having this happen after what we've seen in Israel, what the the October 7th attack that was during a holiday, now we're seeing an attack here on the United States on U.S. soil during a holiday, it seems very concerning for the level of alert we should be at in this country right now over Thanksgiving. And, and Tudor, just this week, we reported that New York State – There was a leaked memo that said the entire state, not just New York City, but the entire state needs to be on a heightened state of alert because of the events in Israel. 
leading to individuals to commit an act of terror here in the state of New York. And again, I, I think we reported that on Monday, if not yesterday. And here we are on Wednesday. Uh, so if you think that the events in the Middle East are in a vacuum, in a bubble, and they are not going to impact what happens here, I think the events of today and I think the events of the last couple of weeks show that we're in trouble. And yet the Biden administration has set us up for abject failure since they got into office by allowing anyone into this country, millions of people that we cannot track. I am sure, Tudor, that so many of them are good people just searching for a better life. But all it takes is a couple to ruin American lives. And fortunately, based upon this, the information that we received so far on this terror attack, it doesn't look like that happened today, but the next time we may not be so lucky. The thing is, it doesn't. It, you don't open your borders because there might be a few people out there that are looking for a better life. We have a process for that. That process exists. It's not as though there is not a process for that. That process exists. Opening the border like this, that's when you create a a open door for terrorism to come in. And let's be honest, we've seen some pretty scary protests in the past few weeks where we've seen just in New York City, you had Brian over there in New York City reporting down on the streets with those folks that were yelling out Intifada, Intifada, Intifada. They're calling for this. They're calling for this national day of jihad. We're hearing the calls for attacks and this doesn't seem to be being taken seriously by the Biden administration that comes out and says, you know, in the midst of this anti-Semitism, we want to be really concerned with Islamophobia. And I'm not saying that you don't have to have any concerns, but you have to look at the situation at hand and recognize that there are certain groups in danger right now. And there are people out there that are making the statement that they want their lives to be in danger. And that has to be taken seriously. And if you have what we've just seen in the past week on these Twitter files where they're like, oh, yeah, you know, the government called us and said that this speech can't be said and, and you got to wipe this speech. Look, that's where you're seeing a lot of this stuff happen there you can see a lot of these organizations plotting out on social media but i don't get the sense that the white house is watching social media for terrorist attacks that are right at our door because it's happening overseas and you're absolutely right todd what's happening over there isn't happening in a vacuum we are not safe from the things that are happening over there just because we have a distance between us and let's be abundantly clear on this point. I think you've said this with me on my show, and I know you think this to this day. The rank and file of all of our law enforcement, FBI, Border Patrol, no matter which one it is, these are the brave men and women who are doing the work to keep us safe. So when we attack these institutions, we are not attacking those people. But the FBI has dropped the ball because they're focused on the parent at the school board meeting and they're not focused on stopping the next terror attack. They're responding today and there are a number of amazing um, FBI agents who are not now going to be with their families during the holiday because they're going to be trying to figure out what happened here. But you have to think, Tudor, that if our resources 
for, forget the Biden aspect of it. I mean, obviously, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in if Biden didn't let millions upon millions of people cross. But even if he did, if we then let the FBI do their job and let the CIA do their job and not focus on moms like you at school board meetings, then we have a much better chance of stopping this. It seems like it's a confluence of horrific ideas, and the people that are going to pay are you, me, and the American people who could be the victims or have their families be the victims of a tragedy. But, Todd, the truth is we live in a very naive society that has been incredibly safe. We're very spoiled. So it's easy for leftist Democrats and these radical people. And I'm not saying that everybody in Biden's administration is this, but you do have some of these people, these, to be honest, diversity hires that are just to have wild ideas. And they are so naive to the fact that the world is not a safe place, that the United States it does not just have this and will not just always have this because it's just a, a benefit that we enjoy the pleasure of. We have to defend it. We have to keep it safe. And the fact that they have just believed that naively we just have this inherent safety in the United States. And now we can make up these threats by saying that the school, the mom that goes to the school board meeting is a domestic terrorist. It takes away from the word terrorist. It takes away from the idea of terrorism. People don't understand that terrorism is a true threat, no matter what country you're in. And I believe that there are enough people in Biden's administration, my goodness, if they can't figure out that you should put candles on the cake in the shape of an eight and a one rather than 81 (laughs) candles, they certainly can't figure out that you have to be aware of who a real terrorist is and who's just a school board mom. Again, if you're just joining us, Fox News is reporting an attempted terror attack at the U.S.-Canada border. The Rainbow Bridge border crossing is the location the FBI is investigating. It was a vehicle explosion. Explosives were in the vehicle. Two people in the car are dead. A border officer injured. This vehicle was driving from the U.S. to Canada, attempting to drive toward the border officer building. Tudor, what do you make of that part of this story? They were trying to go toward the border officer. First of all, as if the Border Patrol job wasn't the most difficult job in America right now, as if it wasn't a job that gets zero resources, as if it's a job that gets no support from the federal government. Now you have what appears to be suspected terrorists driving towards your building to kill you, Tudor. Well, I I think that you made a very good point earlier when you said we have good FBI agents, we have good law enforcement officers, we support those people. But those people are also the most vulnerable. They're also put in the most vulnerable position all the time because they have to be out there fighting for us. So they are also the ones that are, I guess, not vulnerable, the ones that are targeted. I should say that they're the most targeted. And what could be a stronger message in a country that has fought for, let's face it, The past eight years about the border not being secure, what could be a bigger message from a terrorism organization than we're going to blow up your one of your border units? We're going to just go in there. And they took enough explosives to blow this up. Now, if you look at the pictures, it doesn't look like they probably had the effect they were hoping. But, I, you know, the pictures, this is all just happening. So we don't know the extent of the damage yet. But what could be a stronger message than you have no safety, your borders are vulnerable, we're going to go in there and just blow it up on the biggest 
travel weekend of the year. And you guys were reporting this morning on the travel and how much, how many people, I think it was 30 million people will go through TSA. So imagine how many people these terrorists were expecting to have go through that checkpoint. They were probably thinking that they were going to cause all kinds of chaos. And, and really, just the two of them are dead and someone's injured. However, what was the, the intent of doing this on the biggest travel day of the year? And on the day before, a uniquely American holiday where we give thanks for all that is good in our lives. It's an attempt to make sure that we don't have good in our lives to give us the sadness that the terrorists want us to live with on a day-in-and-day-out basis. It obviously was a directed intent, and we're going to learn more in the coming minutes, hours, days, and weeks. But, again, to bring us back, a terror attack, attempted terror attack, I should say, Western New York, the border crossing between the United States and Canada, we will keep you posted. Before we let you go, Tudor, I do want to talk about why I wanted you on the program in the first place, why I was excited, 2024. And I came up with a theory today on Maria Bartiromo's show. And I I don't know how well it's received. I I don't know if anybody agrees with it, and I don't know if you'll agree with it, but I want to run it by you. It's clear at this point that there are certain candidates for president on the Republican side that are not going to be the GOP nominee. There are a few people that are holding on. And there's one person in particular that I find fascinating, and her name is Nikki Haley. Not necessarily going to get into policy here. I want to get into winning elections, something Republicans oftentimes forget about. You know, it's kind of important to governing. First, you need to get there. And I know that there is definite friction between Donald Trump and Nikki Haley. There is. Let's call it what it is. He's made fun of her. She's responded in kind. But when I look at the blocks that they bring to the table, it seems like they could bring different blocks together if they were on a ticket together. And in addition, Trump's out after four years if he wins. Republicans set themselves up for the possibility of 12 years of Republican White House control if they can just come to their senses and all come together and make this ticket happen. What are your thoughts? I agree with you on that. I think that that is how rational people think, and politics is completely irrational. So sadly, I don't think that'll happen, Um, but I think it's a great idea because I think that you end up with Trump's base, which is unique, and no matter what Chris Christie says— Trump, there are Trump voters that are very unique, and they don't vote for other people. They will come out for him, but there are a lot of people that are disgruntled that don't want to come out for Trump right now, that want Nikki Haley, and the two of them together crush Joe Biden. There is no question that they crush Joe Biden. But the behind the scenes, that doesn't look like what's happening. However, I will say we are a year out. So we still have a lot of time for everybody to make nice and decide that, you know what, we're going to make sure that the country is put first and we bring as many people out as possible and then we do great things. And they worked together before. They did great things together when they were when he was the president in the last administration. And I think they can do great things together again. And I would love to see it. But I don't know. I'm not holding my breath. I'll just say that. Okay, I, I, I don't disagree with your premise on the reality of it all. But I want to go back to why it makes sense. And let's be real. The Democrats have literally nothing to run on right now. 
because they've been handed the keys and they have crashed the car. Again, I don't mean to be insensitive to the situation we're following in upstate New York, but that's ultimately what happened. The one area where Democrats have an advantage is their messaging on abortion. I'm not saying it's their policy on abortion. It's their messaging on abortion. And Nikki Haley is the only Republican right now who's able to take the legs out from that Democrat messaging. So I think if you combine the two, let bygones be bygones and go down this path, I think Republicans win. 20 seconds to you, Tudor, then I got to go. I agree. Trump doesn't want to have to deal with the abortion messaging either. And you're right. It's their their message. It's not what they're actually delivering. The two of them together would be a great team. So if you'd get this, if this happens, I'll be out there every day saying, Todd Pyro, he's the man. He's He knows everything about politics. Literally everything. Everything that could be known, <laughs> Todd Pyro knows. All, all joking aside, thank you for joining us on the breaking news. Sincerely appreciate it. And most important, Have a great Thanksgiving with your beautiful family. I've met your girls this year. They are adorable. They have a great mom, and I hope you have a great holiday. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. You as well. With that, more Fox Across America after this. Jimmy Fallon. He's got great charisma. Yeah. He's always dressed fantastic. He has what I call it. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Todd Pyro in for Jimmy Fela, and we continue to follow breaking news out of upstate New York, a vehicle explosion at the Rainbow Bridge border crossing between the United States and Canada in what sources are telling Fox News was an attempted terror attack. The latest, the White House has been briefed on it, has issued the following statement. The White House is closely monitoring the situation. Law enforcement is on scene and investigating. Not much there, but it does show the president is aware of this. Here's what we know. Explosives were in the vehicle at the time. Two people who were in that car are dead. A border officer was injured. Now, that vehicle was driving from the U.S. to Canada, attempting to drive toward the border officer building. All bridges in the area closed. All government buildings in the area evacuated international border crossing points between canada and western new york closed after this incident has also injured at least one person a 27 year old male taken to niagara falls memorial hospital with minor injuries back pain cuts his condition is not severe there are some reports that this individual was a border officer Stay with Fox News, stay with Fox News Radio, Fox News Digital, all Fox platforms for the latest on this breaking news out of upstate New York the day before Thanksgiving. More Fox Across America after this. Back to that breaking news, an attempted terror attack at the U.S.-Canada border, two people dead, vehicle explosion, a border officer injured. They tried to attack the border officer building, all government buildings evacuated in the area, all bridges in the area are closed. Let's bring in Joe Pinion, former U.S. Senate candidate in New York State. Joe, your reaction to an attempted terror attack on U.S. soil. 
Look, I, I think it is possible, as they say, to be uh, astonished and yet not shocked at the same time. It, it's grateful that the border agent there uh, appears to have survived, uh, but this is the inevitable outcome of what happens when you have leadership that does not take the sovereignty of this nation seriously and does not have respect for our first obligation to our citizens, their safety and security. Uh, and so whether you love President Trump or hate President Trump, four years of putting America first, only 12 people on the terrorist watch list thereabouts apprehended at our southern border. You look at the years we've had Joseph Robinette Biden in office, we're closing in on 200 uh, people on the terrorist watch list apprehended, the majority of whom have come through our northern border. So this is the new reality here in America that we are now unfortunately forced to brace for. And we just hope uh, that as we learn more details about this, uh, that it is not actually what it appears to be. Joe, when you campaigned in 2022, when you spoke to the voters, I'm sure you had a number of hardcore Republicans who said, Joe, we need you to straighten out Washington, to focus on things like terror. But did you get a sense that the people of New York State had forgotten the impact of terror from just at that point 21 years prior on 9-11 because I fear that we've forgotten. And, yes, we can have our ceremonies on 9-11 and we can all shed our tears, but there were lessons to be learned from that day that I felt like we had learned and I was rather confident that we would not repeat the mistakes again. And, and Joe, not only are we – repeating a lot of the lackadaisicalness that led to 9-11, but we're inviting it. We're saying, hey, everybody, the border's open. Come on. And it doesn't matter if you have a record or if you want to do our country harm. We're going to pay for you to come here. It's it's nonsense. It's insanity. And it's going to get people killed, Joe. Look, I, I think that we said the words never forget, but it is clear. Uh, that we are bit by bit forgetting uh, the true horror of that day. It, it wasn't about us underestimating what could go wrong in the airs above or at our airports. It was a failure of imagination, our inability to comprehend the evil that lurks in the hearts of men that would lead people to plan for years and months to finally use an airplane to bring terror, not just to those in the surrounding city, but around the world. And so that is what's happening now. We have a president that didn't think it was worth his time to show up uh, to remember uh, that fateful promise never to forget. We have college campuses now where if you really look at the median age of those college students, not a single one of those students, the freshmen, the seniors, the grad students, and anywhere in between, were even alive when those buildings came tumbling down. And you see this forgetful nature of our nation uh, when we look at the Brooklyn Bridge and see 7,000 people yelling from the river to the sea in solidarity with Hamas. We see this failure of imagination when you see what just happened here in Niagara. So, yes, I pray for my nation. I pray for my state. I pray for anyone impacted by what happened today. But all of us need to look in the mirror in this particular moment and decide concretely 
Are we going to remember what this nation was founded on, an America that was supposed to protect every single one of its citizens, not an America that was supposed to be a doormat for those who hated us because we were somehow consumed by the guilt of what happened yesterday that we allowed it to undermine our tomorrow? I think the incident today underscores the fact that it's too late. The bad guys are already in our country. They are already plotting something. And the fact that they have not been more successful is really due in part to the fact that so many of these terrorists are just plain idiots. And they have a vision of destruction in their head, but they can't carry it out. That said, Joe, all you need is one. One guy who's able to succeed in his mission. And you're talking families of American citizens ruined, lives ruined, our country under attack. And and the fact that nobody seems to be fired up about that on the Democrat politician side, because we just saw that report, Joe, in New York State, that 75 percent, I think, of Democratic voters are upset about the border policies and want the border to be, if not shut, figured out. I think that's a telling sign. And so that leads me to the question, Joe, has have we crossed the Rubicon where Democrats are going to finally stop voting for politicians that make the border unsecure, i.e. vote for Democrats? Look, I, I don't know if we're quite there yet. Certainly the numbers indicate some people are waking up. But perhaps we are awakening to uh, a, a new sense of civility. Uh, you know, I don't often quote Nancy Pelosi, but I remember when she said the enemy was in the House. Uh, she was referring to Republicans in the House of Representatives. Uh, and it seemed to me that Democrats had convinced many Americans that the enemy was just your neighbor who disagreed with you politically. And so hopefully we can recognize the new threat that is the terrorist that is probably walking amongst us right now, 19 madmen brought this nation to its knees on 9-11. Just 19 people. Uh, Put those numbers in perspective when you think about the hundreds of thousands of people that have gotten away, crossed our border illegally, the millions of people that have come to this country illegally under Joe Biden. Put that in perspective when you try to recognize that all of those individuals, we have many, no idea where they came from or their state of mind. So yes, I think that we need to get back to a point where we recognize there is nothing wrong with America that cannot be fixed by what is right with America. As Bill Clinton said, that is a nonpartisan, bipartisan commitment that we made in our founding documents. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide from the common defense. It's right there in the preamble of this Constitution. We better go back and read it uh, before the words on paper are just that, a distant memory. Joe, I hear what you're saying about the coming together of America. I, too, am optimistic, and I must say, on October 8th, I was extremely optimistic. Not that, obviously, I was celebrating the horrificness of the events, but I thought to myself, is this the event, is this the tragedy that galvanizes our country and unites us because we recognize a common enemy in Hamas. And boy, was I wrong, Joe, because you have, I I don't want to put a number on it, but you have a vocal, vocal minority, because I still have to think this is a minority, but it's a large number, and it's a lot of young people, and it's a lot of 
people that you would assume would not be in support of the actions of a terror organization like Hamas, but they are being convinced by the Hamas PR machine that is not just some dude in a cave in the Middle East. It's a concerted effort throughout our colleges and universities, through our mainstream media, through the bloodlines of our country, that Israel Israel is, is somehow in the wrong here. And I am absolutely, maybe I'm naive, Joe, maybe I'm a moron, but I, I am shocked by the lack of unity that our country has shown in the face of what happened in Israel on October 7th. Your thoughts? Look, uh, these things didn't happen overnight, and they can't be fixed overnight. We are bearing witness to decades of the miseducation of America's youth as they have weaponized our prestigious college institutions and turn them into labs where they can basically play around with the minds of the next generation. So, uh, yes, it is discouraging, infuriating to watch people who don't seem to understand that Israel has a right to exist, that Hamas is not a community organization uh, fighting for their rights, but a terrorist organization that showed up at a music festival to kill and rape innocent people. So that is difficult. But if we understand that when uh, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation and that we had individuals on the other side of that fight for righteousness who were also Americans, if we recognize that when Martin Luther King and so many walked over Edmund Pettus Bridge, there were people on the other side of that bridge waiting for them. Yes, there will always be some people that don't quite get the message. Uh, But there have always been more Americans that got the message than Americans who didn't. And so that is what I think we should be carrying with us in our hearts, uh, the joy and the promise of America over the recalcitrant spirit of man that still lurks in America. That, I think, is how we get through this. But it's not going to be easy. Uh, It's not going to be quick. And we need to brace ourselves because days like this, what happened in Niagara just serves as a reminder that if we're not careful, uh, some people do, in fact, either get hurt or lose their life along the way. In case you're just joining us, Joe is referring to the attempted terror attack at the Rainbow Bridge border crossing between the United States and Canada, a vehicle explosion, two people dead. The latest updates that we have, Joe, a member of the New York congressional delegation is telling Fox News that all border crossings between New York and Canada, quote, were given guidance to further scrutinize every car but they're not closing again. That is per our own Chad Pergram on Capitol Hill. And our own David Spunt is reporting that Merrick Garland, the attorney general, has received a full briefing on what the FBI and DHS knows at this point. And obviously Christopher Ray, well aware because the FBI is taking the lead on this investigation. Joe, had hoped to talk with you about Thanksgiving plans and 2024 Fun intrigue on the voting front, but the news of the day has led us down a different path. We thank you for your perspective as a former U.S. Senate candidate in the great state of New York, and we certainly hope that you have a great holiday, great Thanksgiving tomorrow. Joe Pinion, thank you, sir. Thanks so much, my friend. I appreciate it. And with that, Fox Across America returns after this. Critics are calling it the show of the year. Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
Fox Across America. I am Todd Pyro from Fox and Friends First. In for your friend, my friend, our friend, Jimmy Fela. Appropriate that the news guy is here on a day. Thought we would just be doing comedy and having fun, but there is breaking news that we are following out of upstate New York. An attempted terror attack, the FBI investigating at the Rainbow Bridge border crossing. Explosives found in a vehicle. Two people in that car are dead. One border officer injured. Stay with Fox News and all Fox News platforms for the very latest on this. I know our team, we're getting the emails, is working diligently to bring you the very latest. But again, the fact that this was an attempted terror attack on the day before Thanksgiving, as Joe Pinion just said, is shocking but not surprising. With that, we're going to go to my friend. We're going to switch it up here a little bit at the end of the show, talk money with my friend. You know him as America's accountant. I know him as the guy my uncle had in class at Nutley High School in Nutley, New Jersey, one Dan Geltrude of Geltrude & Company. Dan, how are you this Thanksgiving? Um, Fabulous, Todd. How about you? I am okay, but I am not as good, let's say, as Corrine Jean-Pierre at the White House, who says – Boy, if you think there's something wrong with the economy, you're the one that's that's off because everything is awesome. It's like the Lego movie response about dollars and cents. Here is what she had to say about the cost of your Thanksgiving meal. Roll 12. And as we start preparing our Thanksgiving meals, grocery inflation is at its lowest level in over two years with prices for eggs, milks, bacon and fresh veggies lower than last year. In fact, according to the American Farm Bureau, the cost of a Thanksgiving dinner fell this year. Prices are down for turkey, stuffing, peas, cranberries, pie crust, and whipping cream. We had a big discussion about whipping cream in the back. I don't know what whipping cream is. I know whipped cream, but not whipping cream. Anyway, because wages are rising, this Thanksgiving dinner is the fourth cheapest ever as a percentage of average earnings. Fourth cheapest, Geltrude. I know your job as an accountant is to tweak numbers to make them say a different thing. But on any reading, is fourth cheapest based in reality? I don't I don't think so, Todd, and I don't think that people believe that. But I will tell you something that I think is going on. I think that consumers out there have inflation fatigue, right? People are getting used to high prices. Uh, as crazy as that sounds, and and what happens is is yes, you do have some costs coming down, so there is some relief from where we had been a year ago on inflation. Okay, but we have to go back prior to that and say how much was inflation up before that, because that difference from let's say from when Joe Biden came to office until now. Prices are significantly up, but we're not going to talk about that. We're just going to talk about year over year. So that's what we're hearing coming from the administration. If people want to believe that, fine, but that's far from reality. It's like the arsonist who sets a fire that burns a house and then walks out of the wreckage with the door. And it's like, here, I saved the door. Like, <laughs> here, here, here's a door, Geltrude. Are you happy with that? I, I mean, look, I, I think he hit the key point. Yes, 
things from a numerical perspective, from a data perspective, may be down a few cents here, a few cents there. And we in the media, we don't have a lot to talk about typically on Thanksgiving week. All the the, the events of just a few hours ago are going to change that. But we love to say your Thanksgiving meal is going to cost this number. And that, we, we run that stupid story every year. But at the end of the day, the American people, and I think you know this, nobody is celebrating the fact that, quote-unquote, inflation is down a little bit because of how much it skyrocketed in such a short period of time. And that's where I think your inflation fatigue theory is really apt. Well, it is inflation fatigue. And, and let's, let's also look at the price, and I'll put price in quotations, that we've had to pay to bring inflation down a little bit. And that's with the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. Now, the purpose of that, Todd, as you know, and I'm sure that, you know, the listeners out there know, is to slow down the economy without totally wrecking it. That's what we're talking about. You know, let's let's make people out there hurt bad enough where they stop buying stuff, which is not good for the economy, so that the prices come down, as opposed to let's keep this economy going and let's figure out how to get more product to market and keep the economy zooming along. Now, I've said that from the beginning, but this administration literally just doesn't see it that way. Let's just kill demand, let's kill the economy, and then we can get rid of inflation. And it all started when they decided that they wanted no energy independence when we could have been energy independent. That set us off the path to high inflation, and here we are. Dan, got to leave it there. Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. I appreciate you joining me here on Fox Across America. Give my best to your family, my friend. Thanks, Todd. Same to you, pal. Thank you. All right. Getting back to breaking news, the FBI investigating a vehicle explosion at the Rainbow Bridge border crossing between the United States and Canada. Fox News reporting that this was an attempted terror attack. Two people in the car dead, that vehicle driving from the U.S. to Canada. All bridges closed in the area. Government buildings evacuated. Stay with your Fox News affiliate on radio, on TV, on the web for the latest. This has been Todd Pyro in for Jimmy Fela. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, everybody. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.